listen to your program and I listen to it. I love everybody. Remonakwa is my body body. Some some people were my body body, but there are no more there. And those who are dead, may their soul rest in peace. I love Joy FM 99.7. We, we're waiting to hear your joy stories as well. And there's a lot of congratulatory messages coming in already. We've received one or two uh, from Media General wishing us a happy 25th anniversary, the multimedia group from all of us at Media General. And of course, we've received one also from the EIB Network. Keep it coming. We are celebrating 25 years. There's more news when you log on to myjoyonline.com. I am MFA Apau. Thanks so much for your company. Dr. Mensa Otabil is up next with Living Word. Hello, I am Michael and I run the shop just down the road from your house. You know, the one you always come to when you need things like milk, sugar, Gary and other things. I'm also your cow bank agent with whom you can do all your banking transactions. So the next time you visit my shop to get anything, just remember that you can now open your cow bank snap account right here. Make cash deposits and withdrawals, transfer funds and also pay your bills easily. All you need to open an account is any valid national ID and your fingerprints. Just look out for your cow bank agent in your neighborhood or look out for any registered cow bank agent sign and enjoy easy banking with cow bank agents banking. Contact us toll free on 0800 500 500 or visit www.cowbank.net for more information. Cow bank agents banking, your neighborhood bank. Says I'm a Kosia filler, but it's not like I'm nosy. I'll go out to find out the latest filler. It's just that I get 50 megabytes of data free after paying for only the first minute of every call, and so I just keep discovering stuff minute after minute. That's how come I was minding my business, scrolling through my timeline, and I found out Coco has a new baby. Hmm. Oh, and lastly, I learned Ken won the lottery. You see, Ken is my brother's friend. So, hello, look who's about to vote with the rich and famous. <laughs> Enjoy even more value with MTN Free After One. You only pay for the first minute of your call on MTN Free After One. And the rest is free. Plus, you enjoy free 50 megabytes worth of data to browse your favorite sites. Open where? Open there. So dial star 315 hash to sign up. We day for you everywhere you go. Terms and conditions apply. This Wednesday on the Joy Business Van, we are at a passerine near Adorso in the Eastern region to visit Ghana's biggest automated poultry farm, Aqua Farms. So because we are using the technology, feeding them, we don't use our hand to feed them. Cleaning the room, the manure, the mover system, take out. We don't give them water because of the automated water system. They drink the water themselves through the level. So taking care of them is so easy. We'll hear more about the investment made in the 40,000 bed equipment, which ensures very minimal contact of bears with humans, prevents outbreak of diseases, and helps with the production of quality eggs. And every two hours, it can pack 1,003. So eight hours, you could end up with 10,000. Reviving Ghana's alien poultry industry, Acro Farms on the Joy Business Van, this Wednesday on TV, radio, online and on ground. It is powered by Joy Business and supported by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Joy 99.7 FM.
hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensa Otterville. And now, today's word. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Now I want you to listen carefully to what Hebrews says. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood he entered the holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption the part I want you to note is once and for all the Jesus, the, the sacrifice of Jesus was once and for all. Jesus made one sacrifice and that is it. In the Old Testament, they made sacrifice every year. Every year they'll kill, every year they'll kill a goat. Every year they'll kill um, a calf and so on and so forth. But when Jesus died, it was a once and for all sacrifice and he obtained eternal redemption. So the we say that the sacrifice of Christ is two things. One, it is sufficient for our salvation. It is sufficient. That means it is complete and it is total. It's absolute. He touched all the requirements for our salvation. There is no area or need for the redemption of man that is not covered by the finished work of Christ. And because his sacrifice is sufficient there is nothing we can add or subtract to it we can't do anything to make the sacrifice of Jesus better you can't even say well if, if, I, if I do ABC if I am a good person then the sacrifice of Jesus will get better no his sacrifice is better by itself it has nothing to do with you are you following me it has nothing to do with you. Human beings always want to do something by themselves. But when we are talking about the past tense of our salvation, it has nothing to do with you. All you need to do is accept. It has all to do with Christ. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. And he rose again from the dead. And when you say, I believe you died for me, you, you get saved. And it's sufficient. You don't need to add chicken to it. You don't need to add goat to it. You don't need to add powder to it. You don't need to buy cocoa for it. You don't need to go to church for it. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. The sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient. Secondly, it is not just sufficient. It is also efficient. Efficient, that means that it is powerful and effective. It is not just sufficient for our salvation, but efficient for our salvation. It is capable of saving us. His power, his sacrifice has the power to break the power of sin and death from us. His sacrifice has the power to deliver us from Satan's control and set us free. 
His sacrifice has power to translate us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. His sacrifice has the power to make us children of the most high God. It has power to give us dominion over every work of the enemy. Efficient. What Jesus did is sufficient and efficient. All that God requires in the past tense of our salvation is that we believe what he has done and instantly we have it. Now the question most people ask is, so if it is true that a person received Christ, he's saved. The Bible says he's made righteous. Then why do we sin? And when, do, when I sin, do I lose my salvation? And when I do something wrong, what happens? Well, let me just try to give you an example. A human being is a human being. I suppose you know that. A human being is a human being. You are not a human being based on your behavior. Because there are times human beings behave like animals. Many times. But when a human being behaves like an animal, does he become an animal? No. He's still a human being because it is a being, not a behavior. So it is his nature, not what he does with his nature. So a person can be a human being, but his behavior is animalistic, but he's still a human being with human rights. Although his behavior does not look like a human being. In the same way, a person who is saved by Christ can sometimes behave like a sinner, but his behavior doesn't change his salvation. Because you are saved by the blood of Jesus, not by your behavior. All right? That is the past tense of our salvation. Everybody say past tense of our salvation. All right? Now somebody will say, well, hallelujah. Now I'm going to really sin. Because I'm saved. That's the past tense, but that's not the end of the story. So, we're going to look at the present continuous tense or the present tense of our salvation. The present tense of our salvation. The past tense is instant. It's gift of grace. It's based on what Jesus did. What about the present tense of our salvation? The present tense of our salvation is the continuous transformation of the believer. And the key word is continuous. So when Philippians says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he's not talking about the past tense of salvation. He's talking about the continuous tense of salvation. The continuous transformation of the believer. So a person is saved, he has to be transformed. And from the day he's saved till he dies there's going to be a continuous transformation. Working out your salvation. Not working for your salvation, but working it out. Working out your salvation. Making sure that your salvation becomes a reality. Now, 
this salvation does not happen in our spirits. It happens in our minds. It's a transformation of the mind. And it is based on two things. It's based on our works. We overcome our fleshly desires. We have to work towards it. It takes effort. It takes place from the day we give our lives to Christ. We work out our salvation. We are not working to be born again. We are not working to be children of God. We are working to make the change that has occurred inside us. Seen in our normal lives. So it's based on our works. And it is based, it happens in the spirit. It's by the spirit. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's a life of daily surrender to God. So I I suppose you, you get the two meanings now. The past tense of your salvation, instant. Based on what Christ did. The continuous tense of your salvation is continuous. It's not instant. So you can find a Christian born again, properly born again, who behaves worse than an unbeliever. Sometimes you can look at that person and say, he's not born again. That The question is not that he's not instantly saved, but he's not continuously saved. In the past, he has been saved, but the present working of change is not happening in his life. And he may look exactly like an unbeliever or worse than an unbeliever. But it doesn't mean he has not been saved instantly in the past. It means that he's not working out his salvation. Now to explain that, I'm going to talk about our inheritance in Christ. And there are two views of our inheritance in Christ. And I'm going to use, I'm going to go legal. There is a Latin word that the lawyers, legal people use. And it is called de jure the jury it means that something is rightful as a matter of fact in the original Latin it means concerning the law or in law it means that something is right according to law for us as Christians the jury position of what is right is the life that God has given to us in Christ Jesus when Jesus Christ says he's my savior, my healer, my provider, it is a de jure statement. It is a legal statement. It is right. It is what he has given to me. His death and resurrection made salvation, healing, and provision available to me. But the lawyers will always contrast the word de jure with another Latin word, de facto. When we say something is de facto, it means in fact or in effect. Somebody said, Pastor, why are you teaching law in church today? Well, you're going to see it works quickly. So, the de facto for us Christians is the life I am actually living. So, the de jure by law is who God says you are de facto is what you are actually living. 
So many times there is a conflict between de jure and de facto. So it is possible to be somebody to be a king de jure and a slave de facto. It's possible. Let me explain. Let's say there is a, a young boy. He's a prince. He's an heir. His father is king. And his father dies. And if he's in a monarchical system, he must be the next king. But he's four years old. But by law, he's king. So if he was an Englishman, if his father dies, he would say, God save the king. The king is four years old. The jury, by law, he's king. But in fact, he's not king. So, normally they will give him a regent. Somebody who will be king in his place. Until he's about 18. Then he becomes a de facto king. So, you find that one level, he's a king. At another level, he's not a king. He's a small boy. And when he needs food... A king commands for food. But this boy, when he needs food, is going to beg for food. And there will be a nanny bossing him around, telling him to sit here and don't sit here. Pack your toys. Don't pack your toys. Do this, do that, do that. But he's king. Instead of giving instruction, he's receiving instruction. Why? Because he's a king de jury, not a king de facto. Are you following me? Now, when a person becomes instantly born again, he is righteous de jure. But many times, he is sinning de facto. So people look at him and say, eh, but, but he can't be born again because he's sinning. Well, by law, he's the righteousness of God. But by practice, he has not learned how to live the righteousness. So sin is now his regent. And sin is now commanding him. And telling him how to live his life. Instead of he commanding sin. And controlling sin. So God says to that person. The jury by his stripes. You are healed. De facto, he is sick. Now, the problem with many Christians, we are living in the de facto where the de jure is not happening in our lives. What God says we are is not what we are seeing in our lives. So he says you are the head and not the tail, but you are the tail and not the head. He says you are more than a conqueror, but you are being conquered. He says you are healed, but you are sick. He says you are righteous, but you are sinning by heart. And he says all these things, the jury, this is what Christ has given you. But your de facto life is very, very different. And that is why Paul said in Philippians, not that I have attained, but I am pressing on to take hold of that which Christ has taken 